Good morning, Light City. Man, it has been an amazing morning so far. I'm always so amazed at how God can take something that the enemy meant for harm and turn it around for our good. I mean, at first, honestly, we didn't know how this online church thing would go. And while obviously nothing beats being together, God has made this a pretty amazing time. Also, I wanted to say a huge happy Mother's Day to my mom, to my wife, to my sister, and to all the moms out there. I gotta say the world would be a truly dark place without the love that you bring into each of your homes. Now, would you do that for me this morning? If there's a mom in your house right now, pause me, go give her a big kiss and say thank you. And if you're not with your mom, make sure you send her a quick text today, letting her know how much you love and appreciate her. Well, I want to jump in this morning, and I'm very excited to preach this message today. I love this new series, Made Well, and oh man, my dad knocked it out of the park last week. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, head over to our YouTube page after service today and give it a listen, and I promise that you will be so glad that you did. Well, this morning, the title of my message is The War, The War. So my chat peeps out there, get ready because we're going for it today. And if you haven't jumped onto the chat lately, it's a great time. So yeah, the war. Scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. So in other words, our war is not against people. It's not against your boss. It's not against your parents, not against your spouse, but we fight against the devil. Now I've realized that this concept can be rather vague. And also that the devil has already been defeated. So if he's already defeated, how does he wage war against our identity? And oftentimes in many people's lives, he wins. You see, I've realized something. The devil can't steal anything from you. So what he does do, he plants a lie, a thought, and then we grab it. We catch it, we believe it, and we end up destroying our own destinies. That the realm we battle in for our identity Uh, uh, we hold, it isn't an external battle, but it really first begins in the realm of our thoughts. And this is what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to open up your word, to see the truth, God, because we know that the truth dispels all darkness. It dispels all the lies and all the garbage that the enemy has tried to speak to us about our identity. And we welcome you into our homes right now, Holy Spirit, to come and bring all the peace, everything that we need, Lord, in order to be successful in the life that you've called us to. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible with you, go with me to Numbers chapter 13. And I got to admit, I'm going to double dip on this passage of scripture uh, because it really has so been so helpful to me in my life and really relevant uh, because so many times through the years of my life, I found myself caught between two thoughts. And when one thought says you should and you can, and then one thought says you can't, so don't try, this passage of scripture has helped my perspective. And it's a familiar story for anybody who knows, you know, about Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You know, that kids church stuff, it works in growing up life too, because the children of Abraham and this passage of scripture are coming into the land that God has promised them. And in the book of Numbers, they have the opportunity to receive the gift. But as we read, we see that they're more focused on the giants that oppose them than the gift that God has given them. 
And it happens to us all the time. And so we see in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, and I'm so excited to show you this that I have to contain my excitement. They tell me not to yell right off the bat, uh, is that there will always be a truth that God will bring to you that will deliver you. And then there will always be a lie that the enemy will bring to you that will destroy you. And more often than not, these realities begin with a thought. And they're both right here in Numbers chapter 13. So Let's study the scripture. And, and the Bible says, Then Caleb silences the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for certainly we can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, They can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we had explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that come from Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now stop. You see, there was no conversation between the giants and the spies about who was bigger. That wasn't what they heard. It was what they thought. The nation of Israel never saw the promised land for themselves, but they relied on the report of the spies to give them a picture of the promise of God, as well as give them a prediction about the outcome. And it wasn't because they saw something, it was because they heard something. And what they heard was a result of something that the spies thought. So when it said in scriptures, they spread among the Israelites a bad report, and that report kept the Israelites from going into the land that God had given them, I realized it's possible to be stopped, not because of your giants, but because of your thoughts. Not because of something that is actually bigger than you, but because of something you have made bigger than you. The whole nation locked onto a lie, and it made their faith weak. And God had given them the land and they could have had the land. In fact, the land was already theirs because the enemy cannot take away anything that God has given to you. However, if he can attack your faith through, you know, weakening your immune system, you know, the faith immune system that's supposed to filter out the microscopic germs, those seeds of lies to tell you you're less than what God made you to be, that will cause you to walk away from God is calling you in to walk to, although he can't take it away from you, if, if, he, if he can get your faith, if he can get that part of you that believes God and causes your identity in Christ to be disrupted by something that your eyes see or your ears here, you know, Holy Spirit, help me to say this the right way. He can't take it. So what he wants to do is move you from a place of believing that he loves you, that he called you, that he qualified you, that he set you apart, that he put you here to do something. And the issue with me is that I experience both thoughts, both voices simultaneously. So let me try to break this down this morning. I got Caleb telling me this one thought, you know, you should, you can. And I got 10 other spies telling, you ever notice how it seems to be, there always seems to be more reasons telling you that you shouldn't, that you couldn't, than that you should or could. Ever felt outnumbered in your thought life? You know, I've got 10 spies telling me no and two telling me I can. The spies are going into the land and the number one rule about being a spy is don't get caught, Right? That's the number one rule of being a spy. And Moses told Joshua and Caleb and the other 10 spies, when you go in there, 
make sure, you know, make sure they don't see you. Okay, got it? But then they got caught. But they didn't get caught by their enemies. Watch this. They got caught by their insecurities. They grabbed onto the lie, and the lie was, we're not big enough. The lie was, we don't have enough. The lie is, we can't. The lie is, they're bigger. And so on, all of a sudden, they are dominated, but not dominated by their enemies. They're dominated by their thoughts. And God said that I was preaching to somebody right now who's caught between two thoughts. One is telling you that God gave you everything you need in order to raise that child, and the other one telling you that you're the one who screwed him up. One is telling you that it's all right, that God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And the other one is telling you that you've wasted too much time and now nothing good can come of your life. So I'm caught between two thoughts. And on one hand, I see the size of the grapes. I see the size of the promise. And I know the size of my God. And on the other hand, I hear all the reasons why a great big God couldn't use a little puny person like me from Fort Erie who's never done anything on a level like this before. And honestly, this is why I had to stop hanging out with certain people in my life because I started realizing you catch what you're close to. I catch something every time I'm around certain people, every time I scroll. You know, the other day I got into a certain mood and I couldn't figure out how I was so happy three minutes ago. You know, you ever had a mood switch that quick? And so I started studying and I realized that before I caught a feeling, I caught a thought, I caught a lie about who I am. And now sometimes that thought is just me going through my feed and, you know, I'll see something that won't register and here's why you don't feel it when you're scrolling. It's like I can remember I ate a whole bag of Oreos one Christmas after I had already eaten three meals and I didn't feel sick while I was eating them. You know, my taste buds must have forgot to tell me to stop eating and so I'm scrolling and I don't feel sick until after I've stopped and what I've realized is sometimes you're beating yourself up about something you saw 10 minutes to go on your phone because you are in everybody else's life but your own trying to figure out, am I better than them? Are they better than me? And now I feel sick 10 minutes later because of a lie that I caught while I was scrolling through someone else's situation that had nothing to do with my responsibility. So it happened to me as I caught a lie of insecurity and I reaped an attitude of frustration. You know, I got offended the other day because I saw God blessing someone that, you know, he wasn't supposed to bless. You know, did you ever watch God just do something awesome for the wrong person? You know, he didn't consult you. And so I found myself feeling insecure. And the reason I felt insecure in myself is because I caught a lie of comparison. And here's what happens. You become a victim of your own judgment. So You judge others that way, and when you judge them that way, you end up judging yourself that way. So you catch a thought of judging others, and don't be surprised when that judgment comes upon you. And then if you trace the weakness of your faith and ask the question, where did that lie? Where did that thought come from? Because you see, it's important to know where it came from, because where it came from determines where it will lead me to. And here's the issue that I find sometimes is that When I say I hear from God, you know, I don't hear him out loud. You know, God bless you if you do. I've never heard the audible voice of God. And so one guy asked me one time, you know, what's it like when you say God spoke to you? How do you know? And it's a great question because I don't hear God at an auditory level. 
So when I say God spoke, that can often be misleading. You know, for example, when Peter said that Jesus spoke to him, it was literal. Jesus was a guy that I met and he spoke to me. You know, I was fishing one night. I, I hadn't caught anything. I was frustrated. And Jesus said, let down your nets in the deep for a catch. And Peter would say, you know, at first I was frustrated because I thought, you know, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. You do your job. I'll do mine. You know, you wanted to preach from my bow. I didn't know that you were going to try to get in it and drive it. But watch this. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, when he let down the nets, we know scripture says that he caught a great number of fish. But God was showing me that before he caught the fish, he believed the truth. He didn't filter it through his situation, his past, his failures. God spoke and he believed. Now, see, the issue with this is, like I said, I don't hear God out loud like that. And so I connect with God, not at an auditory or a sensory level. I connect with God at the level of thought, which would be fine if God spoke to me at the level of thought and he was the only one who spoke that way. But I got this other joker, you know, they call him the devil. You know, but when I say the devil lies to me or the devil discouraged me, I'm not talking about a guy, you know, in a Halloween costume that he got on clearance at Walmart, you know, with the pitchfork and the cape and some horns. I never saw the devil like that. You know, if I did, I would just put him off my shoulder when it comes to me. But so often he comes to me at the level of a thought. So now I've got God speaking identity to me through my thoughts, and I've got the enemy trying to speak against what God spoke to me through my thoughts, and I've got two voices connected to the same device, and I'm caught between the thoughts. One is telling me, your greatest years are ahead of you, and one is telling me, you've already done all the good things you're going to do. One is telling me, go ahead and speak it and say it and do it and step into it and believe for it. The other one is telling me, well, you know, you know, you better not go too far out there because, you know, if you go too far out there, you'll be embarrassed. And after all, if you climb high, they can pull you down. And I'm caught in between, you know, it's like this, the lie that says you're not enough. You ever had that thought catch you trying to do something? I don't know if that's exactly the way that you hear it, but it's crazy how many people I talk to. And, and I used to think that it was the people that didn't have the confidence, but then I realized that even professional athletes have this thought that I'm not enough. And these lies spread so fast in our culture today. And the reason is because now we don't judge ourselves on our measure. We don't judge ourselves, you know, according to the, God, the calling that God has given us. We compare ourselves to, you know, a fictionalized account of the best filtered moments of somebody else's life. And that's where you always get in trouble. Now get this point. You always get in trouble when you start comparing your identity to somebody else's. Because when you compare, you catch insecurity. When you compare your callings, you catch insufficiency. When you think I'm not enough. I mean, even the disciples, you know, it's not enough food to go around Jesus. You need to send them away. And how many times have I sent away something that God put in my life because I caught the lie, the identity that I'm not enough. So Israel, they wandered around and around and around and around the wilderness for 40 years, not because of their enemy, but because of their thoughts. And then even sometimes when things are going good, you know, I've got this thought. I don't know where it comes from, if it comes from God. I don't think it does, but it's hard to tell sometimes. 
because it's not like he talks like, you know, like this, like, you know, I mean, if God sounded like Morgan Freeman, right, you could do it, right? I mean, if he, Morgan Freeman was narrating your life, you could do it. I mean, you could make it, you know, you'd go to sleep and you'd wake up in the morning and you would just be ready for the day, but it so often comes as a thought. You know, even when it's going good, the lie that says it won't last, you know, they'll leave you. You can't count on them. You're not good enough for that. And then you sabotage the gift because you're not securing it. Because even while it's happening, you don't believe that it's real. And I mean, we look like even Paul, you know, it wasn't that Moses was just some bad leader. Even Paul had to fight against opposing voices and thought systems that undermined the essence of the grace of God in the gospel. You know, even in the churches that he started, even in the church of Corinth, you know, he would write to that church and, and what would happen to them, you know, is that they would be led astray, right? Or the word that he likes to use in 2 Corinthians is the word deceived. And he says, I fear that you're being deceived by the power of suggestion, and he uses this example. He says, like Eve was deceived by the serpent. You know, you remember the story when God said, you can eat of all of this. And, and then she grabbed a lie from a, stake and, uh, from a snake and she allowed something that was beneath her to speak to her. You know, see, I, I, I never had a snake slither up to me uh, and talk to me. But here's the deal. I wish that was how the devil came. I wish I did. You know, because I would just take that snake and chop its head off, right? But the servant said to Eve, did God really say that. You see, he introduces doubt into the possibility and potential of her identity. He causes her to focus on what is not available rather than what is. And Paul says, I'm afraid that you will be deceived, you know, because there are spies in the church and they're leading the Christians astray, and they're doing it by the power of thought. They're introducing thoughts into the church that you need something other than Christ to justify you. And he says, I fear that you've been led astray from your pure devotion to Christ. And pure is the right word. That's the important word, pure. It's that uncontaminated place that you access occasionally where you know, you know, you have those moments where you know God's got you and everything is gonna be all right. You know, you ever just felt that and you had no reason to, you know, you didn't have the facts to back it up. You ever just felt like, wow, I just feel like I'm gonna make it and God's gonna do it and, and I can't prove it. And I don't have a flow chart or anything like that. So when the, so what happens is, is the enemy comes and deceives you. He can't take what what God gave you, but if he can get you to believe a lie that opposes it, you know, he can keep you so weak that you just won't walk into it. And this is what he says at the church at Corinth, because they got spies running around introducing lies into the church. You know, they got thoughts that oppose the knowledge of God. In fact, that's how he phrases it in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. He says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have divine powers to demolish, I love this word, strongholds. You know, what's a stronghold? In military terms, it's a place that you go to seek refuge, right? It's a stronghold is a place where you set up to do a battle where the enemy can't get to you or watch this. When you believe a lie, it's a place, it can become a place where the enemy traps you in. 
And he says, what happens in a physical battle can happen mentally, it can happen spiritually, it can happen emotionally to any one of us at any time. I can catch a thought of Jesus and his grace for me and his love for me and his mercy towards me. And, and that can move me to this moment where I worship him in the beauty and the holiness of his splendor and his magnificence, you know? In fact, I wanna say this, one thought of Jesus can lift you above any wave of worry. One thought, one thought of Jesus. You know, have you ever, have you been having trouble seeing yourself, how God sees you? You know, I'll tell you something very simple. Get a thought on your mind of the goodness of God. You see that battle he brought you through. You see that way that he made for you. And just one thought of Jesus. How many of you know that one thought can lift me out of a pit? One truth, but a stronghold can also ensnare me. A thought, a lie, I'm not enough, a thought. I wonder what they're thinking about me right now. Can I tell you something? They're not. But that thought, this isn't gonna end well. That thought, I'm not what they think I am. You know, here's one of, here's one of my personal strongholds. You know, if they really knew you, they wouldn't like you. You know, if they really knew you, you know? But here's the truth. All of us are bluffing right? All of us are faking it. You know, all your little cool friends, they're all faking it. You know, they all got acne. They all got issues. They all feeling lonely. None of y'all are cool. Everybody's faking it. But Paul, you know, when, you know, they were coming into church, you know, like, oh, he's an imposter. He's not the real one. You know, they were introducing a lie to rob them. This is what the scripture says, right? You know that the devil is a thief, right? And he can't take your promise. And so what he does is he tries to steal your identity. You know, I was reading something in Proverbs just recently. I want to show you this real quick. Let's take a two-second interjection. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 30. It says, people, people don't despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. I mean, a thief is just a thief, right? You know, the enemy is a thief and you can't blame him for trying to steal what he doesn't want you to have. And, but check the next verse. It says this, and, and I love this. Verse 31, it says this. Yet if he is caught, he must pay back sevenfold. So today we came here to this service to catch a thief and to let him know, give me my joy back. Give me my peace back. Give me my wisdom back. Give me back the joy of my salvation. I realize that he loves me. And if he loves me, it doesn't matter if you like me. I'm bold. I'm born for it. I'm made for it. I'm called to it. I believe I will walk right forward into my future holding on to the truth of the favor of God, right? Come on, somebody. I know you need to catch this. Catch this. Catch the word favor. Catch this word. Catch this word joy. Catch the peace. You know, you've been hanging around Facebook, but you came here to this stream to catch some faith today, right? Did you catch this? God is for you. He's more than the world against you. Get those 10 spies out of your head and listen to Caleb. We can. We will. He is. I am. I found the truth. I found out that he chose me. I found out that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. 
I found out that he's the bread of life. He is El Shaddai. He's more than a lie. He's more than enough. You know, a lie could bring you into depression and the truth is going to bring you out, right? I caught a truth of the goodness of God and it lifted me out of my pit of despair. Now here's something. So you can't keep the, the, you can't keep the thoughts from coming. But watch what Paul said. He said, we demolish strongholds. You know, how do we destroy? And so verse five is very important. He said, we demolish every spy, you know, every lie that says we can't, every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You know, how many know something about God that is deeper than a feeling? I mean, you've known it in your soul. You've known it in your spirit. And, and that deep calls to deep. And, and so when I have a thought that opposes what I know about God, what do I do about it? You know, I can't keep it from coming. But he said that we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. Now, the thought that you hold on to is the one that you allow to dominate. That will be the, you know, the stronghold of your life. If the Lord is your stronghold and, and he is the place where you hide. Okay, okay, here it is. Here it is. Watch this. Oh, this is good. There was a woman who was bleeding on the inside, right? Who knows this is story, the woman with the issue of blood. And she heard that Jesus was coming through her part of town. And she had done everything to fix it, you know, at the level of the symptom but nothing had worked. You know, the condition that she had was a deep one and it caused her to hemorrhage, hemorrhage and she was losing blood. And, and just like so many people in our world today are hem, hemorrhaging emotionally and, and losing energy and losing hope. But when she heard Jesus passing through, her desperation for a change caused her to do something so dramatic in her life. You know, because she had gotten a second opinion and a third opinion and a fourth opinion. But here comes the healer. Here comes hope. And the Bible says that, the, the Bible says that she did what she had to do to get through all the people who could have blocked her, all the people who labeled her, all the people who cast her out, all the people who told her to give up. And, and, and she knew that if she could just grab a hold of him, if she could just catch Jesus as he was passing by to heal somebody else, and, and he's moving quickly, and, and Peter is backing everybody away, you know, don't touch him. He's in a hurry, but she reaches out. And the Bible says that in verse 37, that she touched his cloak. She touched the truth. She caught him. She caught his cloak. She, she caught what could heal her. She caught a miracle. She caught a change. She caught what would change her identity forever. And verse 38 says this, because she thought, you know, before I can catch a change, before she caught her change, she caught the truth. She, she caught the thought, if I could just touch his cloak, if I could just touch him, he can make me well. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask everyone as I close. I'm ask everyone to just stand in your homes right now, you know, or wherever you are, and lift your hands to heaven like you need to catch what heaven has today. You know, I declare over your life that faith and favor are flowing from the person of Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit in this moment. You know, you've been holding the wrong identity. You've been holding on to the lies of low self-esteem, of low self-worth, and, 
and they've all led you to this moment in the presence of Jesus. Because if you can catch the lies and you could take them to, the, to Jesus, the woman was made well because she touched his cloak. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna invite you into this moment of privacy and concentration with your hands lifted to heaven. I'm just gonna release this word over you, just a word of freedom, a word that we're choosing to break every stronghold, every lie, every insecurity that has been placed on us, every label, every wrong identity. We break those things this morning. And at the end of that prayer, I'm just gonna invite us all you know, if you found your way onto this page and, you know, you've never had an opportunity to come into relationship with Jesus, you know, you hear all these amazing things that he offers and you'd say to yourself this morning, you just feel the touch of him, you know, that urging on the inside of you. At the end of my prayer, I'm just going to ask us to repeat a very simple prayer. The Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that we shall be saved. And so at the end of my prayer, I'm going to lead us in this so, First off, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, for every man, every woman, every child, every person under the sound of my voice this morning, with their hands lifted to heaven, I declare, Father, this is our day that we catch the truth of our identity. We catch the truth of who you say that we are. We catch the truth of what the word says we can have. We catch the truth of our destinies and the truth of your plans for us. And we choose as an act of our will this morning to reject every lie of the enemy that has set us to expect anything less than or lower than all that you have to offer to us. We declare our identity has been sealed and it was sealed by the blood of Jesus through the sacrifice that he paid for us on the cross. We aren't trying to earn it. We're not trying to be good enough for it. And there's nothing that can separate us from it. We declare we are the children of the Most High God. And every lie of the enemy must bow its knee to that truth. And we thank you for it. And I'm just going to repeat you just repeat this prayer. I encourage you to repeat this prayer after me. It's a Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah, that you came to earth to die as a sacrifice for my sins. And I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. Come into my life Lead me and guide me into the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to say really quickly, if that was the first time that you prayed that prayer, you know, you can't see it now, but our Light City family is so excited in the fact that your life is getting ready to change drastically. I want to invite you, if you just prayed that prayer, would you reach out to us? You know, info at Go Light City. Let us know who you are. Let us know if there's any prayer requests that we can be praying alongside of you with. I just want to let you know that we love you. We care about you. Heaven rejoices over the fact that you made this decision today. Well, that's all we got today. God bless you guys. I trust that you are absolutely blessed by everything that was spoken today from the intro to the sermon. Trust that you are blessed, that it's going to make you strong and empower you for the rest of the week. Now, just like my dad did the other day, I want you to close and say this. Say, I was made well. God bless you guys. Love you so much.